Welcome to the podcast of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and as you may have noticed, our TGIF regular, Tommy Dean, has been missing from our panel. He's back in America for a couple of months. And while we've missed him on TGIF, he's instead been joining us with a weekly letter from America. So if you're keen on catching up with him, stay listening at the end of this podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. But first, this week's TGIF. We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday. With the music, it's Matt Mahew from the beautiful Girls! Yeah. I'm Richard Glover and let's meet the panellists, James O'Loughlin, Mandy Nolan and Gretel Colleen. Yeah. And our audience this week drawn from Tumut, Guyra, Wentworth Falls, Bondi Beach, Hobart and Mount Karingai. But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. In Bill Bryson's book about the history of our homes, there's great enthusiasm for all the inventions that have made our lives better. Fair enough. But what about all the inventions that have made our lives worse? Who, for example, is responsible for the coat hanger system in hotels in which you detach the body of the coat hanger while the top remains fixed to the rail? And in the dark of the cupboard, it's impossible to reunite the two parts with the result that your clothes end up piled up on the floor. And all it means is that people can't steal the coat hangers, devices that can cost upwards of two cents, <laughs> and you're paying 160 bucks to stay there. I'd also like a quiet word with the person who invented UHT milk, thus giving airlines, railway canteens and motels a plausible excuse for not serving real milk. And who designed the little packet the UHT comes in, impossible to open without a struggle, which ends up with the whole of the UHT splashed all over your clothes. Why is it so difficult, for instance, to design a torch that works? When the electricity goes on the blink and you reach into the cupboard for the torch that you thoughtfully put there three years ago, what are the chances of it turning on? Zero. A torch is just a storage device for exhausted batteries. And if by some freakish happenstance the batteries work, the mechanism is so delicate that you really shouldn't try operating it unless you're in ideal conditions. For example, in a room in full light. Many of the world's worst inventions are designed to allow companies to save money by making our lives slightly less agreeable. The electric trouser wetting machine installed in all public toilets is one example. It is completely unable to dry your hands, but does a fine job of flicking water up onto your sleeves, pants and on the floor. Everyone knows it doesn't work. And if they were honest, they'd say, step one, hit the button. Step two, rotate hands in the airstream. Step three, give up, wiping your hands on the back of your pants as you leave the room. <laughs> While in the bathroom, somebody somewhere has come up with the idea of putting liquid soap into dispenser packs for use under the shower, which require three hands to operate. One hand to hold the bottle, one hand to receive the squirt of soap, and a third hand to press down the nozzle. 
Now, one day someone will come up with the idea of solidifying this liquid soap <laughs> in order to produce a one-handed washing device that we could call, I don't know, what could we call it? <laughs> a bar of soap. Exactly. There are so many things we should uninvent. Maybe we need a new TV show hosted, of course, <laughs> by James O'Loughlin, called The New Uninventors. <laughs> each week, someone could put forward the case for uninventing something, and each week, the judges would get to vote. One week, they'd get rid of elevator music, two-minute noodles, and PowerPoint slideshows during business meetings. The next, they could knock off genetically modified food and stonewash denim. After that, it's a clear run to the semi-finals where you could vote off car alarms, automated answering systems and chewing gum that sticks to the pavement. When I get to appear on the new Uninventors, mm. I will call for James to urgently investigate the uninvention of that satanic device, the leaf blower. <laughs> what was wrong with the rake? I shall ask the judges. The rake gathered leaves together, did it silently and gave you a little light exercise. Then, as usual, someone decided they could improve on things. No doubt they called their work The Rake's Progress. <laughs> Why is James laughing so that, that, much? That, that's not funny. <clears throat> that joke didn't go as well as I thought, which, <laughs> might, which, might, which might be due oh, to I people's think... ignorance of late 18th century literature. Oh, <laughs> I think an hilarious time. I love the idea of, of the uninvented, and I, I'm just imagining that if it reaches, say, Series nine, there might not be much left. And, you know, episode one of series nine, uh, we'll get rid of pants and so then, then the desk. And by episode 20 of series nine, there'll just be a little person standing there in underpants yeah. saying, nothing left. Yeah. But I do think you should call it the unventors, not the uninventors. Unventors. Uh, the unventors. I'm sure people in their cars listening were going, call it the unventors. The, the unventors. It's on yeah. behalf of them. The unventors with James O'Loughlin yeah. coming to the ABC News. <laughs> and anyway, that is the news from nowhere. Yeah. Yay! Thank you. Uh, now, uh, we have James O'Loughlin, Mandy Nolan, Gretel Colleen. Uh, let's check you up with this week's news. First up, who acted when they redacted? What's this about? Redaction. Oh, redaction. Total redaction. Well, that happened Monday. I was actually on a cruise boat when this happened, so I didn't. Someone said, did you hear what happened? And I went, no, I was... On a cruise boat, it's there. Um, I wanted to redact myself. Um, but you were working. I was working. I, was, I wasn't there voluntarily. And, and, and so what's happened, because all the, you know, because we've had so many, you know, kind of, you know, laws brought in to protect apparently so the national interest um, so much. So the, what's called whistleblowers, which are people that just know stuff about the government, basically. Um, I mean, we're going to run out so of... So not Scott Morrison then? Yeah, no, oh, no. Oh, he's no or or Anthony Albanese. No. Exactly. So what well, happened... with the balance here. Yeah, yeah. so... Now it is the fact that, you know, journalists, as we've known from all the ABC rates, and finally it's this amazing thing where it's united a lot of adversarial um, kind of people in the media, particularly where all the papers came out with all this. Very powerful thing to see, all the black lines uh -huh. um, across to show what censorship... So you had all these traditional enemies like Fairfax yeah. News. and, and I was imagining, because yeah. I had this image of... Because you know how, like, Bob Geldof came out with... Um, that sort of song, um, Feed the World, towards Christmas. And I thought they could do, like, a song together, like a recorded hair called Free the Word. Uh, you could have Pierce Ackerman with his arm around David Marr. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
all singing along towards the. Uh, Piers would just press... regard David Murrow's lunch, wouldn't he? Oh, <laughs> wouldn't he? But a little bit of press freedom. And I think that was actually pretty powerful because as it's going now, um, every journalist in Australia is going to end up in the Uruguayan embassy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be crowded. I must have a slightly different point of view. I really enjoyed the day where uh, most of the front uh, the pages sorry, I blocked out bits of their front page because I, I don't really enjoy the news. I'm not very interested in it. And I think it was one of my weaknesses in my radio career, actually. Yeah. Um, what, and lack the of curiosity. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that there was less of it, I felt, was a good thing, you know, because <laughs> most of the news doesn't make me happy. Um, uh, what makes me happy? Ice cream makes me happy. The City Morning Herald never comes. Oh my god! With ice cream, this is uh, so depressing, isn't it? I think we have to invent James. We have to reject him. <laughs> but also, but also, the City Morning Herald and, and News and uh, even whatever that mob you work for, um, Richard, is the ABC. That's the other it, one. Yeah. Like yeah. they, they're happy to uh, do a bit of what's it called redacting. It's a great word. Um, when they've got skin in the game, you know, like they want the laws to be relaxed so that they can print more stuff, so people will buy more papers. But there's a corner near our our place that really could do with a roundabout. Are they ever going to run that on the front? You know. Are they going to run a campaign on that? So you want to see the O'Loughlin Morning Herald yeah, specialised right. in... That's right. I, I would yeah. just like to ask the question because ordinarily laws at least pretend to protect the people of the nation, yeah. don't they? Yeah, Is yeah. this the first time where it's actually designed not to? Well, there are, 70, the there are 75 new pieces of legislation since September Se- 11 September. decided designed to keep the uh, public uh, out of the loop. Yeah. Exactly. So I found some other dumb laws, mm-hmm. which oh. may or may not be true. All right. Uh, Let's hear them. And I googled one of them and it was true and I thought, oh, well, that probably That's makes probably the other it. five yeah. correct. <laughs> Apparently whaling is banned in Oklahoma, which is <laughs> landlocked, but there you go. In Florida, it's illegal for a married woman to go skydiving on a Sunday. Oh, that's realistic. That's sensible. <laughs> Holding a salmon suspiciously is a crime in England. And California has a law, I'm not sure if this one is true, making it illegal for a waiter or waitress to even utter the phrase, I'm really an actor. <laughs> well, that's a good rule. That's a good law. Uh, I'm just trying to imagine the most suspicious way one can hold a salmon. Is it like as if you were holding a rifle, you know, <laughs> and hoping people won't know, thinking it's a salmon-shaped gun or something? <laughs> if it was a rifle, it would be smoking. Oh, no! Oh, that's it. Yeah. Can you plug yeah, the yeah, dad joke somehow? From the rates progress. Uh, now, who has given the flick to the stiff upper lip? Who has given the flick to the stiff upper lip? Oh, Megan. I don't actually know what flick to the stiff upper lip was, but well, she said she, she said she tried to do the stiff upper lip because she was marrying into the British royalty yeah. and the Queen obviously does that, tried to fit in, but she's decided it, it's no good. She absolutely has decided this and I've been completely on her side because I think vilifying someone and bullying someone by the media is a very, very poor example mm. being said. that's what James is for. That's what James... Well, I I think it's entirely hypocritical that whilst in school uh, we encourage kids to be kind and fair and yet they come home and they're bombarded with bullying themselves. But it did cause me to become aware of other stupidities that happened that week because one girl said to me, what do you think about Megan? She's just whinging. I thought, how could you interpret it like this? But then I was emceeing a gig and I sat down and it was a table of men. 
Yay. And the man uh, <laughs> sitting next to me Sorry. said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, oh, I'm MCing. He goes, well, if I can give you a couple of tips. <gasps> oh, oh, yeah. And then another bloke said to me, I didn't realise you were intelligent till I uh, heard you talking to Michael. And I, I said to him, I think that's more a reflection of your intelligence uh, than mine. This table is like a lazy Susan <laughs> of stupidity, isn't it? This is great. But it was the week. Did you find that? Oh, it, well... I was interested in the stiff upper lip because I don't think she's given it a very good crack. Like, <laughs> uh, the whole thing, it has to be a generational thing. You can't just have a crack at it for 18 months and go, I'm not doing this. And I actually think it's actually cultural. The Queen's done it for 90 years. She's done it for a long time. And she apparently it comes from, the, you know, the Queen mum who had the never explain, never complain um, kind of feeling. Look at her longevity. I mean, she really pushed on. So clearly not emoting um, is the secret. Repressing it, holding it down. It really, you don't need Botox when you do that because it really holds your head up. It's all like that. self-botoxing. Yeah, it's like resentment yeah. and bitterness will just keep that chin. <laughs> but the queen, when the queen, I'm a, I'm a, when the queen goes to Balmoral, she must have a bit of me time there. She would have a little bit of a little bit of stiff upper lip. But she and she'd the, probably have wee time. Well, see, Megan, <laughs> Megan, Megan is American and Americans are really into it. Look at look at mm. Jerry Springer and Oprah. It's all about emoting and they've got, like, the floppy bottom lip. They've got the, the kind of puffy As lip. A nation. The lip filler. You know, it's all about the lip filler. Yeah, I mean, I think what she actually... One of the things she had, she said, I'm not really, you know, I don't do the stiff upper lip um, uh, because if you do, what it does internally is probably really damaging. And as a man, I would endorse that. Um, You know, my wife often says, how do you feel about things? How do you feel about that? And I say... Could we build, not build something, perhaps, instead of talking about that? Um, and <laughs> I think I'm very happy to keep repressing things, not talking about my feelings and, and you know, keep it inside. What's wrong with repression? And, What's wrong with a bit of good and, repression? Yeah, and die young. I mean, that's what will happen. <laughs> uh, I will die before her. Um, she will emote and have all her feelings, but at least... I will die young, but I won't have to talk about my feelings, and that to me is a win-win. What is it? <laughs> I don't what want if to you talk don't about. Die, and then she's still got to look after you when you're incapacitated. Yeah, well, but yeah, but then she'll say, "How do you feel?" Like, and instead of me whinging, I'll just go, "I don't want to talk about." It. So he'll just say, "Incapacitated, thanks." Yeah, I'll be a very easy patient. Oh, so man, I, I just think there's two th- types of things you can do, do. You can be open about. Your, uh, your emotions and really get into that and grow as a person, or you, or you can be male. And uh, <laughs> I choose the latter. I'm actually tired of men that are really open. Like, they start no, going no. on about yeah. their feelings and you're going, oh, shut up. <laughs> but we should point out that Mandy, Mandy lives up in Mullumbimby. Oh, Mullumbimby. Oh, yeah. oh, and that'd be full of it up there. Oh, men oh, are there. Yeah. And yet, are there do... drugs involved in...? Um, not a lot of workshops... <laughs> Uh, like the, uh, you can't hug someone. Like a hug is like a hug is a thing. You kind of have to go groin to groin. A hug happens like for about <laughs> really? ten minutes. Wow! Like, I know, I've never gone like straight to groin to groin with someone. That <laughs> seems to me to miss out to... a few stages. But <laughs> why maybe... do you have to go groin to groin? That's how you've got to get like your base strength in the hug, and then because you've got to hold the ground because you've oh. got to be there for about ten minutes. Wow. wow! And generally that happens if someone's at a shop and they want to go in to buy something. It'll happen at the counter. Or in the middle of a road. Groin to groin for ten minutes at a shot. Yeah. Yeah. What just, a place. Just, that for, is. just, just for the sake of public education, Mandy. How, exactly 
At what point, going up the New South Wales north coast, does this start to occur? Yeah. I mean, is there a line? Ballina? Uh, it doesn't happen in Ballina. Right. Definitely no, not so the it's Ballina. between Ballina and Byron. It, it truly happens, and it doesn't happen in Bangalore. I always say Bangalore is very boho and Mullumbimby's very hobo, so, so you it's think different. It, you'd think it would happen in Bangalore. But no, maybe no, there's no, a road no, sign. No. You know how there's that speed yeah. bumps ahead yeah. and it's, it's <laughs> flat and then the bump then flat? Oh. What if you turn that on its side? Yeah. So it was just two stomachs, t- yeah, well, like two groins, two groins. It's kind of like, you know, people go, oh, I haven't seen you, like, since yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and then it's so just of... say, warning, you were entering a groinal yeah. hugging uh, area. Yeah. Groin zone. Yeah. This is all just making my resolve to oppress everything <laughs> even, even stronger. It's making it seem like an even more sensible strategy. Uh, last question from this week's news. Who has drawn a tiny veil over a tiny bride? Uh, so, so it came out... Uh, they have pulled a Halloween costume off the shelves. It was a wedding dress uh, that, you know... For a little girl. For a little girl. Um, but, you know, it was a wedding dress being sold to little to girls as a Halloween costume and there were complaints that it was very inappropriate because it brought to mind, to some people, the idea of child brides. Uh, it just occurs to me, like, if you buy a ghost costume or a pirate's costume for a five-year-old, are you buying... Why are you wearing that child, that, that costume of a pirate child yeah. or a ghost child? Have you not been to Somalia? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not... You don't buy... Oh, I just bought a five-year-old pirate's costume. You buy an adult pirate costume, but it's smaller than the kid's five. So I think there could have been a bit... Of a yeah. misunderstanding. And also, but what childhood dress up costumes are appropriate? If the bride is not appropriate yeah. and the cowboy and yeah. Indian's not appropriate and Vampire. the, and the so vampire, they, well, that's terrible. That, that was sucking another well, person's blood is bad. Gretel. Even, okay. even in Bangalore, I think. <laughs> well, we do have to pay respect to people who are unfortunately married under such child brides because yes. it's an enormous number of But has that got anything year. to do with the costumes? Well, the lady who, who did the. The um, what's it called? Petition. Petition. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think she did have some background there, but it was interesting the response because one person actually said um, that we need to our young girls need to be encouraged to aspire to reach their potential, and they should be dressed up as lawyers or engineers or doctors, <laughs> which is fantastic because our society is fundamentally based on this notion that marriage is what we should aspire to. But according to this interpretation, it's actually just trivial. And also, Halloween's supposed to be scary. Yeah. If you're going to knock on the door and it's a lawyer, it's going to yeah. scare the crap out of you. It really is. Yeah. It really is. It would be great. Imagine if young kids dressed as Amanda Vanstone. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually... For, for, well, Halloween was, was one thing, but I went to the Nimbin Mardi Gras one year, which is near where we live, <laughs> and the funniest thing I've seen kids dressed up as for that in the parade were little kids dressed as marijuana leaves and bombs. <laughs> and oh, that's <laughs> nice. Isn't that nice? That's nice. Aww. See, that's aspirational. That is aspirational. Yeah, nice. And it was a nice little thing. But last year, as far as adults doing it, my husband decided he would surprise my, my 10-year-old daughter at um, school by dressing up on Halloween as the Grim Reaper. Um, so he's waiting at the school pickup, and she says, <laughs> as she approaches, she approaches, she her friend says, "What kind of loser dad is that?" Oh. Right, and at which point <laughs> she realises it's, it's it's her dad. And, oh, I thought and, there was going to be a worth into that story. No, that she'd walk up to him and, and go. 
really? It's my time? Yeah, it's time. I'm only 10. No, she, and he'd say, no, I'm waiting to come for James. Exactly. No, she got in the car and she, like, she, she's like, how could you do this to me? And, and she, she wept for oh, all no. afternoon. And that's, that's the impact of a bad costume. Never support Craig. You're listening to you're listening to the comedy show, thank God. <laughs> James O'Loughlin, Mandy Nolan, Gretel Clean are here. Now, they're reforming the HSC yet again, uh, and this time the idea is to cut down the number of subjects so that young people only study things that are really essential. If you were to create a school syllabus based on the things that you really need to know in life, what would be the things that you would teach? James O'Loughlin. Uh, repressing feelings, obviously. Um, How to do it? Yeah, it'd be a, it, it wouldn't be a compulsory course. It'd be an, a, an elective. And is it learnt or natural, though, or have you really worked well, on it? Well, well, I've worked on it. Um, some men, as you were saying, Mandy, in, in particular parts of the state, find it more difficult and and do you know enjoy groin hugs or whatever <laughs> they're called. Uh, I would imagine, as an elective, I might be wrong, but more males would be taking it, or perhaps women now that they you know they're that they've often been ignored and, and cast into traditional roles of having and showing feelings uh, with the opportunity now to go to a customised course where they can learn to repress and push it all down and instead of saying, I feel, say, you know, I think... Um, uh, um, then that's, my, my wife always says, I feel, and I always say, I think, and she says, well, I think I feel better than you think, and yeah. she might be right. Um, so definitely... Do you think they would teach this north of the groinal line? <laughs> yes, north of the groinal line. <laughs> we get Graham back Is in the here, groinal this. line just south of Byron or just north of Byron? Uh, yeah. it's, it's west of Byron. It's west. It's it west goes of Byron. Out. Okay. It goes it's out. a bogan groinal line. Yeah. yeah. It is. Uh, also, of course, is wokeness, I guess. Um, so you'd be repressing feelings or wokeness. They'd be, you couldn't do both. You'd have to pick one or another. <laughs> Texting with your non-dominant hand in case of an injury. That's important. Uh, perfect emoji selection. That's a two or three unit. Um, these two, I think, are very important. I wish I'd learned them when I was at HSC. How to work out when people you live with want to talk to you when you get home and how to work out when they don't. Just those subtle things. Yeah. You know, sometimes people come home and they start talking and you just go, what are you talking for? It's like um, a taxi driver has to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another one. Um, Having heard about your home life, I think Lucy's attitude to talking to you is never. Yeah, I'm surprised she is home when he well, goes so home. Sometimes she f- feels pity. Um, yeah. She feels and she talks. Oh, no, a pity chat. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> but the final one, and again, very important for those early years, of course, in how to tell when someone you're going out with is about to break up with you so you can break up with them first. Yeah, yeah. I just would like to say that I um, did a series of podcasts a while ago to understand how men's minds work. Didn't take many in the series, I can tell you. But I then decided to hold back my emotional expression. How's it going? Fantastic. I would recommend every woman does it because men interpret that as mysterious. Yeah, definitely. That's how dumb they are. I mean, you will... Yeah. (laughs) Just remember, you will die young, you know, from all that. It does take a toll inside. Um, Have you, Gretel, have you been developing Enigma? Yeah, I have. Well, thanks for noticing. But, yeah, I have. I have. Well, I don't have it turned on now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I waste it. Mandy, if you're going to teach a course, just the really necessary stuff. What are you going to teach the kids? How to get get followers on Instagram. Uh, How to... Definitely, that's really important. Like, you know, how to pose for a selfie properly. Like, you know, 
you yeah. know, sort of how to get and how to, you know, how to do that where you, you know, how to wear white on a cliff on a beach and look natural. <laughs> like, that's what you were doing. Like, just happened to be I was there. just happening. And how to get children later to wear clothes they don't want to wear amber beads and be part of the photo so that you can get followers and stuff. That takes quite a bit. Um, this so, is the main way you earn income in well, 2019. That, well, that, that's, yeah, that is what you do. I, and I, <laughs> that, that is the main thing. I'd say... Um, also, how to, how to set up a corporation so you can avoid tax. Uh, how do you do that? Well, there actually is a town in the UK. It's called Fair Tax Town. Have you heard about that? No. And they have, this guy realised Facebook, um, he paid £35,000 tax. Facebook paid £35,000 tax in the UK and went, how does that happen? Wow. He set up, this, he got a whole lot of people in his area to set up a corporation as small businesses and now they pay corporate tax. <laughs> which, right. is, wow. which is nothing. I mean, uh, there might be a couple of steps missing that, from that, that process. Would be, just, <laughs> I, I did actually. I think, I think how to create a Tinder profile. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. That seems to be how people meet now. So yeah. I, think, I think knowing how to swipe left and how to swipe right <laughs> is something that could be that could be a two unit like or maybe an, maybe an extension uh, <laughs> um, about you Gretel? well I think the way we did the HSC served us very well I have nothing funny to say about this I just feel like a massively superficial understanding of a lot of things is much better than a deep understanding of a few yeah. it served us shallow but wide uh, yeah, I mean, particularly shallow, but don't you think? I, I do like that. My son's doing HSC right now, and that's why I'm not there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why you rang me and said, can I come to Sydney? Come. Yeah. It's HSC week. I've got to get out. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think, because they do, like, it is, like, it's pretty intense. He's been reading, like, really hard books. Like, he read Camus. And I went, I didn't wow. read you that. You mean Camus? Camus. I didn't read that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read that to second year at yeah. uni. And you were I... a stranger to that book. Yeah. Can when I, I, just when ask... I was his age, I was reading Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> but is this your first job to do the HSC? Because you seem a bit astounded, but you've had no, been going this, through before, this haven't you? the fourth you? one. The fourth one. She's just cottoned on. Yes, yeah, the fourth one. To, yeah, I've just worked out what you do. You just, you back right off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and let them do it. And, and you know what? And because I've backed off, he's doing really well. Wow. <laughs> and I couldn't care less. <laughs> I you, do care. But you know no. this is broadcast up to my vision. Uh, no, we don't have a radio. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try hard yourself in your exams, Mandy? Did you uh, work hard at the HSC? Actually, you, you were in Queensland, weren't you? Yeah, I, of course I worked hard. There was no way out of Queensland. Uh, unless you did. No, I was a really studious kid and people always expect me to be a bit of a naughty girl, but I was actually a really, really hard worker. Yeah, like, me you too. Were, I was total, you weren't a naughty girl. No, no, I wasn't a naughty girl. I was total swat because yeah. uh, often I had very little... Anything better to do at all? Well, it was also the only way. I but you had better things to do. You, you grew up in Bielke Peterson's seat of Kingaroy. I know exactly. There would have been fun everywhere, wouldn't it? There? there was. Yeah, it was a very aspirational town to live in. I mean, it was kind of like three jobs. There's one at the chemist, um, and then if you're really smart as a girl, you got a job at the doctor's receptionist. Like if you had the receptionist of the doctor, you'd made it. You had to wait for the receptionist to get knocked up, um, <laughs> and usually that happened by seventeen. And because I lived in a town, they they there was only went to year 10 because they're like, well, no one's going to go past that. <laughs> I had to get a bus out of the area. <laughs> Hang on, you said there were three aspirational jobs. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the third one bus was... Bus driver. No, the third one... The th- <laughs> <laughs> now, the third one was Premier, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so that, that is why I studied hard because that, that was during the Whitlam kind of free education period too. So I, I saw that as a bus ticket out. 
which it was. Yeah. Did, 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 <laughs> did locals know Bjorki Peterson? Was he quite a figure in the town? Oh, yeah, yeah, you knew, because he was always out with the texture of changing the gerrymander. He was always going, I'm going to draw a line here. And, uh, I think he might be a Labor voter. Line. Uh, but was, he, was, he really a, uh, was he really a peanut farmer? That's what the rest of Australia was told at the time. Well, apparently he had a peanut farm. I don't know. My grandmother went to school with him. She said he, fi- he only went to year six, and she said he was an idiot then and he's an idiot now. <laughs> but she said, but I still vote for him. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Stories from King Roy on Thank God It's Friday. Thank God It's Friday with Richard Glover. We have James O'Loughlin, Mandy Nolan and Gretel Clean. Are you ready for the Wheel of Death? Yeah. yeah. When our lovely audience came in, they threw these random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Today's topics are middle management, cafes, black holes, beaches, p- p- privatising buses, fear of 13, dastardly... Tasmade? Tasmade in Tasmania. Tasmade. And then spray, secrecy, string theory, descant recorder, (laughs) mea culpa and descant. These are very strange people. Where have we got today's audience from? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which one's for you full of fear? Oh, that discount crap. Yeah, what what was that about? Why is there two discounts? I don't even know what a discount is. Round and round and round it goes, where it stops, nobody knows. James O'Loughlin to sport himself on the topic of black holes. Oh, black holes. Who's black? Who, who said? Thank you very much. Well done. And why? At least we understand it, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, we don't actually. No, we don't. We don't understand them, so what can you say? Um, <laughs> Uh, there's a couple of Hollywood film directors who reckon they understand them. Apparently can go right through them. Um, their actors went right through them and they didn't get crushed. And, in fact, uh, Matthew McConaughey went inside one and found a library. <laughs> so black holes are the last great mystery. Um, are, are there green ones? <laughs> Why are there only... Black, I don't think they would only be black. I mean, you look out at space and it looks dark, but, um, yeah, I I think it's uh, (laughs) stupid to say that they're black holes. And I don't even know if they're holes. I mean, I know what a (laughs) hole is. You drop something in it, but black holes, if you drop something in it, I mean, I think things can go into it, but then they get crushed and turned into antimatter and say, if you, sir, happen to go into a, a black hole, the whole nature of your reality would change and you'd come out as a panther or something <laughs> with duck legs. Um, it's just freaky stuff in there. And you're asking me, how do I know? Well, I have, when I was younger, I, <laughs> I have, obviously not now, but I have been to one. There was one that passed near to... Um, to uh, Canberra, where I grew up, <laughs> uh, quite near actually, and kind of just dipped down. So it almost touched like Burley Griffin, and I was out in the boat, and I thought, you know what, uh, in about 20 years, that guy Nolan, he's going to make a movie where Matthew Mahoney finds a bloody library in there, and I reckon that's crap, and I'm going to find out. So I jumped up into the black hole, and um, inside... We're, we're, we're a lot of panthers with duck feet. <laughs> it's really weird stuff. Um, also, Matthew McConaughey managed to... The movie's called uh, Interstellar. Uh, come out the other side and out the other side was Matt Damon. <laughs> so that, that didn't happen to me. And, and if you happen to find a black hole and you think, oh, I've always liked that black Matt Damon, 
I'm, I'm going to go and find one. Um, I'd caution you from going to the black hole because the most likely thing is that enormous pressures will squash you into something the size of an atom and your last thought will say, will be, even Matt Damon's not worth this <laughs> because it'll really hurt. So what can black holes teach us that help us live a better life? This. That things, <laughs> that things usually end in tears. That things, you have great expectation, great fascination. Do you know how many books, scientific papers, hawking business have been said and written about black holes? A heap. Over. <laughs> well over ten. And yet, if you ever get to one, you'll die really, really quickly. And that really brings me back to the whole nub of what I think this evening is about the whole hour is don't have hope about <laughs> black holes, don't have fear of them, don't have fascination or curiosity of them, just keep it all repressed inside <laughs> in your own little black hole of a soul. James hey. O'Loughlin, does he die, ladies and gentlemen? Does he die? No. Does he, do he live? On, thank God, it's Friday. Uh, very good. Right, uh, yeah. How many of those ten books on black holes have you read? Uh, well, I've read... You see, see, black holes change the whole nature of the space-time continuum. So had I that not come up, mm. I wouldn't have read any of them. But because it did come up in a parallel universe, I went back and read them all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was very useful, wasn't it? Yeah, very yeah, useful. You could bend time yeah. in that way. Um, now, at Sydney's Macquarie Centre, they've... Opened a new cinema this week with a new children's playground in the auditorium so kids can play on slides and swings while they watch the movie. Cinemas everywhere are trying to offer something special to compete with big screen TVs in people's homes. So what are some of the innovations you'd like to see that might make movies worth going to at the cinema? Gretel Colleen. Is this the worst idea ever? Yes. It absolutely... It, don't you go to the cinema to get away from your own living room, let alone have everyone else's living room crap in the cinema with you? Yes. Children running around, what, takeaway food, yes. couples fighting, dogs farting. Who wants this? Enough of your house, Gretel. And that's just when I'm the only one home. I don't even have a dog. No, I mean... <laughs> I think it's an appalling idea. I say let's invent the cinema where there's nothing else to do but watch the movie. Yes. Oh, do you reckon... Because I, I was imagining, you know when you go to the dentist and if they're really good, they've put a postcard up there and you go, what if yeah. at the cinema the, posh the screen is on the roof, right? Oh, so what, the dentist puts a what? A postcard so you can look at it when you're up, like looking at oh. the ceiling. They don't have electricity. See, in Sydney. Yeah. Do they have something better than that? Because yeah, we just do. have a blue-tacked postcard. Yeah. <laughs> of what? Oh, like, you know, a picture from SeaWorld or something, like a dolphin <laughs> or a sunset, something to really relax you. Matt Damon. Like yeah. a Matt, yeah, Matt Damon. I saw Matt Damon the other day in a cafe and I went, wow, this was like really? a... Yeah, Which cafe? Black Let's hole. all go there. Um, <laughs> In Byron. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so that's right. what the, everyone's there now. Maybe you went through a black hole. I did. Anyway, but I, I thought you could Did you do... go up to him and say, this is the way we hug locally? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, like, Matt Damon's out trying not to look like Matt Damon, but he's got the Matt Damon outfit, like the little cap, and then yeah. you go, you are so Matt Damon. And I took a photo of my friend. I went, just move over there because I want to get Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. But I thought you could do in the cinema, like, I, I thought it'd be a good place to have, you know, um, like, you know, he could have, like, I love watching movies in the bath. 
So right. you could have like a big jacuzzi cinema. <laughs> hey, yeah. like you could be yeah. tub, you could be tubbing. That'd be um, great. Tubbing, tubbing. Yeah. Is it a nude jacuzzi or are people in uh, their cozies? It depends to... on the movie. Yeah, I reckon. Because <laughs> you know how yeah. they, they have porn hub. You could have porn tub. Not that I know about porn hub. I just you know I've seen the search history on my 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 thing. Um. So yeah, I think that could be kind of fun. Maybe a gym. You know, kind of like... So you can exercise multitask. Yeah, it, you could do lots of things in there. I don't know, maybe a beautician, like, you know, waxing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for the but really when people screamed, you wouldn't know whether there was something in the horror film or they'd just been yeah. Uh, yeah. defoliated. Imagine the tension. <laughs> well, well, you know, there is a great innovation that I've used that you use in long films. It's a app called RunPee. And it will tell you when the best time to go to the toilet is during the film. Yeah. It'll identify wow. two or three things. This is true, now, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And your phone buzzes when you're a minute away from a good toilet break. Uh, I used Old to, men. But the problem is, <laughs> the problem is that you go, We're great okay. to have children with because we're already getting up five times a night. <laughs> the yeah. problem is when you go, right, and you go, okay, now's the time to go. I don't want to miss anything. You go, you walk, maybe even run to the toilet. I don't know if this is just me, but the more urgency there is in the need to go, the less urgency the little repressed man inside seems to bring to the game. Uh, <laughs> and, and so you're going, it's really urgent. We've only got 30 seconds. We've got to get back. And inside it's like... No, not yet. <laughs> so you need a better movie. You need a movie about a ga- Igasu Falls or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Of course, if you weren't so repressed, it would come out. Well, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The solution is an innovation on the innovation: a screen above. The toilet, oh, either genius. above the urinal or on the door of the thing. <laughs> yeah, but then men would never leave the bathroom. And so you just press Cinema 6 and it'll show you what's going on in Cinema 6. Uh, the other thing I, I think we need is, again, uh, what you're going on when you said just somehow removing maybe soundproof booths, just the sound... Oh, is soundproof booths? No. No. Wow. I thought they... I've never Hold thought on. that they were loud. I never thought that that... Wow, that lady's breasts are extremely loud. I've never had that thought in my life. Like yeah. anyway. No, no, just paper. Like the chip packets. Uh, ice cream, lolly. Drives me nuts. So, um... No paper noises yes. somehow. Get, get that woman to throw herself on that chip packet with her soundproof boots. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, that's the solution. That is definitely the solution. Uh, a significant world record has been set. This Kenyan great who became the first athlete to compete a marathon in under two hours. He's pretty pleased with himself. But what's on the list of all the world records that you happen to hold? Gretel Clean? Well... Do you I'm... hold the two, two, two you know... The, the marathon in two hours, or well, I one? I have minor achievements. The things I'm apparently best at are when my children were growing up. I was the most annoying person in the world. <laughs> so thank you. Because that's um, quite competitive yeah. among that parents. is there's quite yeah. a lot of competition, and also I now I have become very very good at losing men's attention when I'm talking to them, <laughs> to the point so sorry, where um... I'll actually stop talking <laughs> halfway through a sentence. Thank you. Come back and uh, and. Nobody notices. But I did find, if I could just point out some others, there were... Yes, I'm listening. Longest time... <laughs> and I'm interested. I've learned the art interested. of acting. 
These were other achievements of other world records. Longest time to Sorry, my alarm has just gone on. Apparently this, <laughs> apparently this is a good time see, to have a break. No, well, you see, where are those noisy bosoms when you need them? <laughs> well, no, that's it. That's it, Mandy. What's now on I'm your... being mysterious. Mandy. Uh, wow. What's she really thinking? Mandy, what's a, what world records do you hold? Uh, I think I've... I've... In most times, unpacked the dishwasher in a continuous oh. night of dishwasher to dishwasher to dishwasher. I hold that, but people do actually dispute that. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I say, if I have to do this one more time, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I have um, I have longest thing for, I've got heaps of kids. Like, I've got most, like, five kids to three different dads. So I've got... Which is better than three kids yeah, to five different dads. Yeah, I've got two Medicare cards. Like they have to, go, it has to go see on next Medicare card, and and not one name matches. And um, I'm kind of proud of yeah, that. Um, I'm also, I'm, I have been a bit of a sulker in the past, but I come from. I think my grandfather could have done it because he he sulked um, for forty years, where wow. he 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 did not speak to my grandmother for forty wow. years. He sulked oh. for. So long, he got dementia and forgot. Um, and Why was he sulking? Well, he didn't remember, and no one knew. She I told think... him she, she should, he should have a few feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day he said something about the weather, and she said, oh, "Why don't you shut up?" <laughs> so that was another forty years back in your box, <laughs> James. What uh, James? I look on what records you hold. I think uh, least achieved in a two-hour period was. Awake. Um, I've achieved that many times. Yes. So, what was this? Was that, was that this hour or? <laughs> no, I've done that many times at home if I'm ever alone, which is rarely because there's uh, four other people who live in the house, all who are of the type of person who don't repress their feelings. And um, when I'm alone, I often just sit on the couch and just go, huh, and achieve nothing for two hours. So, I think that's a, uh, that's a record. Most consecutive times, spattered food on white kind of business shirt whilst on a plane going to gig. Yeah. Uh, every time I get yeah. food on a... Th- and the nicer the shirt, the more likely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just every... Con- I think I'm up to 86 consecutive. <laughs> now, uh, lowest pain threshold. Um, particularly at home. Someone bumps into me at home and I, I just must be some weird thing. And just like my 11-year-old jumps into me and I go, oh, oh. <laughs> So that's quite pathetic. Um, most, <laughs> most drafts of a sentence in a book I'm writing, um, 47, and I think to add that, so the same sentence written out in a different way 47 times and looking back on it, drafts 11, 24, 33, 39 and 46 were identical. So <laughs> you write the sentence, then you change it, then you change it again, then you change it again and then you change it back and you think, I'm pretty sure <laughs> two weeks ago you were looking exactly the same. Yeah, I think that's a black hole actually right yeah. there. Uh, winners and losers, Gretel. I'm the winner yes. because oh, I was recently in Kenya and I wrote a book about a, a spotted zebra, a zebra who lost its spots, wow. and I did this trek for children with disabilities and when we got to the National Park after the trek, what was spotted on that very day? A little baby spotted zebra. Oh. Oh. I didn't know there were spotted. There's one, and it was there on that day. I can't believe you saw that. That's I know. That... Was Gretel Clean seen slightly beforehand with a pot of paint? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's true. I'm the loser because also you can get my book on the website. Yeah. There you go. Manny, winners and losers. Uh, I would say um, 
the losers are that Love Island show. That is like, that's loser. Um, I'm just saying because I didn't get on. Um, and I think the winners is um, all the kids now with mullets. I haven't yeah. been more, like nothing makes me smile more than seeing a 10-year-old with a full action okay. mullet and yeah. I'm like, yes. It's yeah. good. It just makes me feel like I'm, I feel, I feel happy inside. Yeah, good. Just quickly, James. Uh, winner, Greta Colleen, everyone from the ABC wants to work on a commercial network. Uh, she did that on The Masked Singer where, where uh, someone sings a song and you don't know who it is or as I call it, every time I turn on FM radio. <laughs> Please thank James O'Loughlin, Mandy Nolan and Greta Colleen. Yay! Thank you for being part of Thank God It's Friday. Next week we have Colin Buchanan, Gene Kitson and Rebecca De Unamuno. Music next week from Christine Anu. Check out the TGIF podcast, which now includes Tommy Dean's weekly letter from America at the end of each podcast. Until then, I'm Richard Glover and Thank God It's Friday! with a special Letter from America with Tommy Dean. Yes, it is now time for another Letter from America with Tommy as our regular on TJF returns home for a couple of months. But after two decades down under, can he ever fit back into the small town America from whence he sprung? Tommy Dean is on the line again from Illinois. Tommy, hello. Hello to you and thank you for saying it the way the locals do. Ah, okay. Illinois. Illinois, you drop that S. You know, a lot of people might say Illinois. Mm. Yeah. Well, I went to school in Missouri, which some <laughs> people say is Missouri. Yeah, yeah. And then I was uh, born in um, Baltimore, Maryland, as the fancy people say it, but Balmer. Yeah. Balmer, Maryland. Well, the thing is, Americans are very busy. It's like the way you can't, uh, you just haven't got time to say maths. It has to be math. Yeah, just shorten it, get to it. But it makes me laugh that they, you know, do all the same sort of abbreviating of cities. But then when they get there, they're all like Canberra. <laughs> Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> suddenly they suddenly have a desire to pronounce every letter written. <laughs> Which they don't have back home. No, no, mate. Missouri. So uh, what's happening in Illinois? Now I well, can say it. not just Illinois. It is a uh, big excitement because... It is the World Series. Ta-da! The World Series of baseball has once again begun. The Fall Classic. And again, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Australia is doing very bad this year. Yeah. In fact, miraculously, uh, the teams from Japan, Australia, Italy, Germany, Antarctica, they're all missing somehow. Not a single one qualified yet again. <laughs> The center of the world in baseball. Now, my, my kids played baseball for a while. You know, it was great and all that. But I found it a bit legalistic. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, some poor little nine-year-old would stand on the mound and adjust his helmet for more than the required three seconds and would be ruled out. You know, there seemed to be a lot of discussion of the rules constantly. It is, it's fantastic. That's one of the great things about it. It is a game built around the weight of numbers and the archaicness of the law. And what's even more special, unlike any other sport, in baseball they have a thing called home field rules because every stadium is slightly different in the way that its outfield walls are shaped and the way that the foul line posts are marked. So every stadium has a couple of little intricate rules that only apply when you play on that field. First to know those, are you? 
Well, they they actually have a a, a, a pre bench meeting between the lawyers. <laughs> like literally, they literally come out. The two coaches come out with the umpire and have a chat, and he points out all of them. All right, if it goes over that yellow line over there. That's a home run. If the ball's on the side of the bump, on the right side of the field over there, that's a foul ball. Uh, if it gets trapped between the signage and the corner over there, that's going to be a double. <laughs> Cricket's the Australian game or, or Australian rules football. But why is baseball the American game? How does it express the national character? <laughs> well, uh, it took Ken Burns 24 hours of television documentary style to explain that premise. <laughs> uh, but to boil it down... I would say, from a viewer's perspective, baseball fits perfectly into the lifestyle, just like cricket does. It's the kind of sport that you turn on the TV in the background and you do stuff. And occasionally the TV makes a noise and it draws you back into the room for a couple of seconds to go, all right, now it's exciting for eight seconds. (laughs) And now I can get back to painting. If it's so good, why do they have to whiz it up with all that stupid music like it's a circus? That's exactly the point. Because the people in the crowd know that it's their job to stay awake so that they make noises (laughs) at the right time to bring the people painting back into the room. (laughs) That is their job. But literally, I I watched game, well, game two, the first two games have been played. Uh, I was watching game two. And as an example of how the game's pace is, I watched the first inning. Both teams scored a couple of runs. Uh, Then I watched an episode of Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Then I came back, and it was the fourth inning, and there was two innings of nothing happening. Went away, watched another episode of Breaking Bad, then came back and saw the last two innings where all the fun was. It was great. So that's the perfect viewing experience for for baseball. It is, but also, side note, uh, if you are living by yourself with your son and feeling rather desperate about your financial situation... I am not convinced Breaking Bad is the show that I should start watching. <laughs> so last time we talked about the fact that you, you, you got this job selling advertising space with a local community radio station and, and you confided to us that that wasn't going swimmingly well. Indeed, you had a sales record, which was the lowest in the office. So in terms of income earning, what's, what's, what's this week brought? Well, uh, I discovered that in the local supermarket, there is a lottery vending machine. So uh, I am currently saving quarters. Mm-hmm. That's the plan, is it, Tommy? That's the plan. To put a quarter into the machine and hope. Yeah. But just so we're clear, a lot of people keep shooting for the big money. I'm playing the dollar scratchies. <laughs> like $5,000 top prize. I am not greedy. <laughs> That'd be good, though, wouldn't it? Five grand. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. But uh, no, currently I have applications in at a variety of local businesses. So uh, next week, I may have a new occupational title. But for now, call me Dreamer, possibly Meth Cook. (laughs) (laughs) Your son's got a job, though. That's good, isn't it? That is. In fact, he just walked in the door from his job and showed me his very first paycheck. And then we had a long discussion about what all the tax numbers mean. (laughs) So I think you said he's getting $9.20 an hour, right? Uh, yeah, but it works out to about six fifty after the numbers subtract. Can he spring his old dad alone? Uh, we're working on it. Uh, you know, got to cash this check. Uh, so as soon as he cashes that check, uh, I'm going to take him to my vending machine and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you can go halves on the winnings. Yeah, I don't want to say make it sound like it's desperate. I mean, we're getting very close to Christmas, and so I'm, you know, calling all my relatives. <laughs> 
is there employment available in, in these small towns in Illinois? Uh, seemingly. Uh, they work very much on these service industries. There's a couple of big manufacturing things. Uh, we do have a giant uh, mill uh, that mills stuff, probably wheat. I haven't really looked into it. I'm not a, I don't have any experience in the mill world. Uh, I don't mean to be offensive, Tommy. I don't see you doing work like that, really. No, me either. This is the problem that I have is, you know, there's a old saying that if you can imagine it, you can be it. And I, don't, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> I used to fry cooking when I was 18. You know, I flipped burgers in the classic style. Uh, I made pizzas for all the major chains. Uh, so if worse came to worse... I could slink back into there and tell them that I know how to arrange pepperoni on top of cheese. <laughs> what jobs can you imagine? Can you see yourself as? A uh, philanthropist. <laughs> Based on my outrageous lottery winnings. <laughs> I have a dream of giving all the bus drivers a Christmas card with a $100 bill in it. Yeah. That's the job I need, bringing joy to the people. Uh, or cook. I, you know, part, of me, part of me imagines it'd be fun. Well, you're a good cook. You're a good home yeah, cook. But, but, yeah, I'm a handy home cook. I just don't know if that translates. I I've, I've, was, you know, kind of like watching a few videos to get the feel. And, you know, there's lots of, you know, like YouTube guys that, you know, make cooking channels. And they're like, I try to survive a day in a real kitchen. And you're like, oh, man, that, that's a lot harder. What? People order more than one thing. I just made the chicken teriyaki. Why am I making this again? Maybe you could do comedy busking downtown. They don't, they, I, they, I don't think they get me. Uh, based on my current uh, one-liners on the bus, <laughs> I feel like I, don't have, I haven't found my audience yet. How do you uh, mean they don't get you, though? Because you're American. You're from this place. Uh, you're not saying the place has changed so much in two decades that somehow they don't get you anymore. I, well, to a point, I wanted to blame it on them, but I feel that I am now blaming it on Australia. I worked so hard to slide into the casual, self-deprecating. Uh, you, know what, you know what it really is? It's not just self-deprecating. I mean, the Australian sense of humor is definitely self-deprecating, clearly. We all know that. But there is, in my opinion now, after living here all these couple of months, Australia sort of starts with humor in mind. That's my new theory. Every interaction with another person sort of has an implied sense of fun and humor about it. Mostly because you don't want to be serious. We are a playful people. A playful people. And, and you know, there's just no hurry to divulge your uh, deep pains and secrets to one another. So you keep it on that breezy, fun, mucking around. Everybody's mucking around until there's a reason to assume that seriousness has entered the conversation. And here I'm starting to feel that it starts serious. Friendly, but serious. They take you at your word. So when you, try to, when you try to be ironic or funny on the bus, they just think, why is he saying that? Yeah. I think it starts with, why is he talking to me? And then when they let the words flow over, you know, it's that basic exchange of, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Where are you going? Same place you are. We're on the same bus. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one I used to lead with. Hey, any chance you're going to shop and save? They got a vending machine there. <laughs> Have you won yet? I haven't won yet. If I did, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be passing you on the left right now. Mind you, people don't talk to each other on buses and trains here that much. It's true, but I, I think that might also be because of weight of numbers. It's awkward to not talk to the guy on the bus when there's only two of you. <laughs> because everybody I, else has got a car, right? Yeah, everybody's got a car. And to be fair, I might be making it more awkward because given that all the seats are available, I probably shouldn't sit right next to the guy. <laughs> you definitely shouldn't sit right next to the guy, Tommy. So my feeling is maybe I'm putting them off from the beginning. <laughs>
Mind you, if, if you win the $5,000, the first thing you're going to do is buy a car, isn't it? Or a weekly bus pass and just keep meeting the people. <laughs> Sharing the love. Seeing if one man can introduce a playful tone to the whole of America. But also, it's, I think it's also, it just shifts, you know, like the weather shifts. I think I've talked about this before, but yesterday it was 18 degrees, a lovely 18, and today it is 7. And that doesn't make sense to me. But you'd be excited. The lady uh, next door, you know what she did with her glorious day of 7-degree weather? She got out a 44-gallon oil drum and built a refuse fire. Oh, wow. The incinerator. It lives. The incinerator. Yeah. It was like and she was fueling it with, I'm assuming, lead paint-covered planking. <laughs> because you're not allowed to do that in Sydney. This, this, this was banned about 20 years ago. Yeah, and I know that you've whacked a lyrical about it in the past. Yeah. And uh, we grew up with it on my grandparents' farms. It was classic to dig a giant ditch and build a fire. But to see it in the suburbs with a giant oil drum <laughs> just flaring just below the branch of the tree, that was very exciting. You didn't have any laundry on the line? No, it's against the law. <laughs> Isn't that a curious juxtaposition? I can't hang out my sheets but she can burn her refuse. <laughs> That's not true. You, you can hang out your sheets. No, you cannot. Why not? Uh, because it is against uh, rules. You have to use a dryer. Well, they're not saying you have to use a dryer. They're just saying you can't hang your sheets out. <laughs> Nobody wants to look at your pants and your shirts and your undies. Uh, quite often it's part of what's called the HMO, the Home Management Organization, uh, various residency rules within different housing developments, but... Where we live, it appears to be a city ordinance, uh, but there is uh, simply no unsightly hanging of garments. Do you think it's a kind of American, you know, how America is a little bit puritanical? Do you think it's that they really don't want to see, you know, some ladies' um, undies? My theory is that, but you know how I'm getting around it, is uh, I have mentioned previously that this town loves hanging flags over the front door. Yeah, yeah. So I've just bought all of my clothes in flag colors <laughs> and I just hang them one item at a time. Yeah. People think I love this country. They think you're very patriotic. Well, yeah. he's always wearing the flag and he looks very dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. You're not, you can have a backyard incinerator going hell for leather full of petroleum and you cannot have effectively, uh, you know, clothes on the line. Because it might put someone it's a land, off. It's a land of many yeah. differing, differing choices. I know. I know. It's, uh, I have long struggled with it myself, especially, you know, here there's an argument to be made for the dryer because, you know, it rains a lot and the temperature changes. But growing up in Arizona where it was a constant sort of medium-high dryer heat all the time in life, it made no sense. I mean, but no wonder they won't sign up to the Paris Accords. The whole country wouldn't be able to dry its gear. No, because it's, it's rights. I, I always laugh, too, that they always constantly preach freedom. America's about freedom. And one of those freedoms is not seeing your damn underwear on the line. <laughs> but what about my freedom to hang my underwear out? Well, that's not your freedom. Your freedom is imposing on my freedom. And that's where most of the friction happens. They don't like it. They don't want to see your line. Don't put your clothes out. There'll be none of that. See, I always thought it was a bit weird that the hill's hoist of all things was a symbol of Australia, was a sort of icon, but now I understand it. It is. It represents this sunny climb where we can use the sun to dry our clothes. And amuse children of a certain size. <laughs> yeah. You just hang them up. Yeah, they've run off all the playgrounds too. Playgrounds have taken out all of the spinny things. 
encroaching on all the freedoms. They still preach freedom. Uh, they're still allowed to uh, talk on their mobile telephones, you'll be happy to know. Still have plastic bags. They're not even talking about banning the plastic bags. Well, talking about plastic, it's, it's Halloween soon. That's like a, a, a celebration of plastic, isn't it? And it is against the law to not answer your door to children begging for candy. It's a big deal. Uh, there's a huge parade that's going to go right through Main Street. Hundreds of people march in the Halloween parade. And then all of the children from the parade split off and roust into the neighborhood and get as much candy as they possibly can. It is an all-day affair. And it's even more special. I didn't even realize I've, you know, I've kind of mentioned it until I really looked into it. Uh, it turns out that Alton, Illinois, is the most haunted small town in America. On what basis do they make that claim? On the unbelievable amount of haunted buildings that are in this town. <laughs> the list is extreme. Uh, some of them look like right out of central casting. There's a place called McPike Mansion, which is an old three-story standard Confederate-looking building. And... Um, and all, the, all of them haunt the same way. Uh, something terrible happened uh, in the McPike Mansion. Uh, many people were murdered, and therefore their spirits were trapped. There are people who live there now, right? No. Oh. It has been bought many times and renovated a few times, but it remains unlivable because it is so haunted. <laughs> but uh, it does do quite a bit of business at this time of year, haunted tours. Uh, there's a great deal of activity. I read a fun article that suggested it's geological, uh, given the nature of the limestone. There's so much limestone in this area. And limestone, as you may know, uh, traps spiritual energy. Yeah, it's a big problem. Big problem. <laughs> what happens if, uh, if you don't have the candy in hand when they knock? Well, I assume first, dirty look, then revenge. Uh, usually of a toilet paper-oriented or egg-oriented payback scale. Uh, we have trees in our front yard, so I imagine toilet papering would be the choice that mm -hmm, they would make. Mm -hmm. And uh, also eggs are expensive. Kids these days. Uh, happily, we don't have a vehicle yet, so quite often the car is in some way uh, written on, marked, toilet papered, uh, scarred. But... I, thought, I thought Asher had lined up a car. Oh, Asher has lined up a lot of cars. In fact, he, like I said, he just got his paycheck today, and already he is uh, telling me that we're going car shopping uh, next Friday. But how much is in his paycheck, and how much does the car cost? Well, according to him, equal. <laughs> I don't know how he did it in the economy we're living in at the moment, but for three days' work, yeah. he's ready to buy a car. So he reckons you can buy a car for $58. Well, he, he, he read about financing. He's been doing some research. Oh, no, Tommy, don't let him do that. Well, he seems to think it's a magical world where you just tell them that you'll be sure and pay them back and they'll say, okay, yeah. I don't want to lead them into the real world just yet. He's got to understand the interest rate. I'm trying to explain interest rates. I'm at interest rates, uh, collateral is another one that he doesn't quite understand. Credit score and work history is another one he doesn't quite understand. But I know that he's at an age where I should be leading him into the adult responsibilities, but... I just can't let go sometimes. In fact, just yesterday for dinner, he said, hey, Dad, can we have white broccoli? It's so adorable. Does it exist? Yeah, it's cauliflower. He just calls it white broccoli. Oh. <laughs> you tell him from me that interest is a tax 
on impatience. Ooh, that's good. I want to tell him right now. Oh, wait, no. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Will you be interested? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, so we're having a hard time explaining that to him. But he's got a dream. He's got a dream. But on successful notes, you know, the problem is you keep, you know, betting him that he won't do what he's supposed to do. So one of the first arguments was he has to do well in school. And uh, he's currently running a uh, A plus. He's running an A. He's got A in every class. Wow. Okay. So he's doing that. And he's like, well, you know, okay, maybe you should have to do well in sport as well. So um, he's taken up cross-country running. And after a couple of successful tournaments, he's currently ranked six in the region with the big regional meet on this Saturday, which uh, if he does as well as he says he's going to, will propel him to the sectional meet. Uh, so he continues to uh, strive towards success in that. But he doesn't know that this is my little secret plan. If he's so good and so fast running, who needs a car? <laughs> he can get to the shop and back before I could drive there. That's how good he is. At the center of parenthood is this inevitable moment when your child outpaces you. You're experiencing it right now. We're privy to right it. Now, he's doing everything better than me. Until that moment, which surely will come as early as this afternoon, when you put that quarter in that machine and bingo. Well, yeah, kind of. You have to wait till you get home because you realize that you just put your last quarter in the machine and have nothing to scratch the ticket with. (laughs) And on that note, we'll talk next week. (laughs) If you survive the haunting. See you, Tommy. Be good. was Special Letter from America with Tommy Dane. And there'll be another letter from America with our far-flung correspondent as he sets up house in rural America in Alton, Illinois, here on ABC Radio Sydney.